Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. During his campaign, President Biden promised to roll back many of the President Trump-era immigration policies. And while immigration isn't a top-of-mind issue for the administration at the moment, a few other things going on, the president is working on keeping that promise, starting with getting rid of a rule disqualifying immigrants who use government benefits. Caroline Simon from Roll Call has been reporting on this, and she joins us on the line now to discuss the latest immigration updates. Caroline, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Great to have you back on the program. And uh, so tell us about these proposed rules that would uh, eliminate some of the uh, Trump-era interpretations of this idea of public charge. Tell us about that. So we're talking about the public charge rule, which is actually a historic regulation that goes back decades um, that's designed to keep out immigrants who the government thinks are likely to rely on government benefits. The Trump interpretation of this rule was very strict. It considered the use of non-cash benefits, including Medicaid and food stamps. And the Biden proposal that we're seeing now actually returns to the historic interpretation of the rule that was around before Trump, which considers benefits like the supplemental security income and temporary assistance for needy families. So some benefits, but not as broad as what the Trump rule has considered. Biden actually stopped enforcing the Trump rule a couple of months into his presidency. um, But this proposal kind of solidifies the return to the historic approach. All right. And, and does the president seem to be uh, inclined to, to go further than that, or is he just kind of going to this softer interpretation uh, from the, again, kind of going back to the Trump era? Yeah, I don't think that we are expecting him to go further than what was around, for example, during the Obama presidency, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. And as uh, as you've been tracking this and following this, um, uh, how does this, how does the status currently apply, um, especially uh, under? I know there's a number of Democratic proposals that are out there as well in terms of uh, really tweaking who is ultimately uh, eligible for these benefits. I'm sorry. Would you ask that question again? Uh, just, oh, again. sorry. <laughs> uh, just looking at some of the proposals <laughs> no that are out there, uh, how would this change who actually is eligible and who is not eligible? For these benefits? Yeah, so this um, simply limits the types of government programs that can be considered when applying this rule. So when an immigrant is applying for a green card, the government will take a look at um, what public programs they use or are likely to use and use that to consider whether they're eligible for a disability or not. So under the Trump rule, if an immigrant had been using Medicaid or food stamps, that might hurt their eligibility for obtaining a green card under this rule, fewer government programs would, would be part of that consideration. All right. And and what is the call in terms of, uh, I know they're looking at doing it, some of this as part of the, some of this was to be included in the, the Build Back Better uh, agenda. Uh, does that still seem to be the tactical approach uh, to all of this? Or is there uh, anything in the offing in terms of something that would really deal with a, a broader range of immigration policy? I think we'll 
starting to see Democrats take another look at ways that they can do immigration policy, given that their legislative efforts to pass a sweeping bill have not worked so far. Um, as you might remember, a couple of months ago, Democrats had hoped that their budget reconciliation plan could include immigration provisions, but they're having trouble getting all 50 Democratic votes on board for that plan. And there have been some parliamentary issues with the immigration provisions specifically. So we're starting to see a couple of Democrats in the House and in the Senate look at the Biden administration to do some things unilaterally to kind of get a win on immigration ahead of the midterm. One example of this is expanding temporary protected status, which is a program that allows immigrants fleeing countries in crisis to obtain work permits and be protected from deportation. Um, they're asking Biden to expand this program to additional countries, including countries in Central America, that would allow a whole new group of undocumented immigrants to have some form of legal status, at least temporarily. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, uh, both coming up uh, in terms of the midterm, trying to get some sort of win on immigration there. Uh, and then it's also interesting, too, in terms of this uh, temporary protected status uh, has there been any conversation in terms of things that might be fallout uh, if we end up, you know, having refugees from Ukraine and, and other areas uh, in terms of expanding, you know, who would be eligible for that uh, temporary protective status? That's also something I've been asking about. And you've even seen a couple of groups in the last couple of weeks come out and call for temporary protective status to, to be applied to Ukraine, which would mean that Ukrainian immigrants who are living in the U.S. Um, would have protection temporarily because, as you can imagine, returning to Russia or I'm sorry, returning to Ukraine right now would not be be far from ideal. So I think we'll we'll start to see those calls ramp up in the next couple of days and weeks as the situation in Ukraine uh, progresses. Yeah. Anything else that you're watching closely uh, in terms of uh, things that might take place in Congress or some of the uh, conversations that are being had, uh, whether it's about this uh, temporary protective status or or other things along the uh, the immigration path? One thing I'm always watching um, is the annual government funding bills. Um, The last time we were talking about this was last week when um, Congress extended government funding, um, keeping last year's funding levels in place. Um, But they have another deadline coming up on March 11th um, where they're hoping to kind of pass those final government spending bills into law. And it's always really interesting to see how much money they end up spending on various immigration priorities. Democrats and Republicans typically disagree on how much to put towards things like border security or alternatives to detention programs. Um, and so I think we'll see some of those partisan immigration fights that we've been seeing for the last couple of years crop up again um, as we look towards that government funding deadline on March 11th. That's right, because we, we can't let a good uh, government shutdown threat go to waste. So we, <laughs> we have to make sure we get all, all those things there. And I know you watch this closely as as, uh, as I do as as we're watching these you know debates and we kick the can down the road for three weeks, which is a really short time in Congress uh, to actually get something across the finish line. But uh, always interesting to see what gets tucked in there and then what those funding levels uh, are. Uh, anything anything uh, that you anticipate in that battle, again, coming up to March 11th, uh, you, you mentioned earlier just this idea of this is going to play in in terms of the 2022 midterms. Do you think there'll be any messaging or any amendments in particular related to those funding bills uh, dealing with immigration that might get some oxygen, again, because it is a, a midterm year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember that the Trump administration, um, government shutdowns actually happened over immigration issues. There was a fight about funding President Trump's border wall um, that led to a government shutdown ultimately. So I think these issues are always really contentious. Um, I think this time there's more of a desire to since we put this off for so long. You know, the, the original government funding deadline was October 1st. So it's been several months. 
of these negotiations. Um, I don't think you'll see any immigration issues actually sink the bill and cause the government shutdown, but I'm sure there'll be, you know, fights back and forth about about border wall funding and, and, and things like that. All right. Great insight as always. Caroline Simons, a reporter for Roll Call and CQ Now covering immigration policy. Caroline, thanks. Caroline, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Again, that's uh, Caroline Simon from uh, Roll Call. Uh, and she does a great job of tracking all of these components to immigration because there are so many things. Sometimes we just think it's what just, you know, people coming across the border. Uh, but there's so many other facets to it, uh, and I think interesting that she raised this idea of the temporary protective status. Obviously, that applies to uh, immigrants who have come across for a host of different reasons from a host of different countries. And now in light of the situation in Ukraine, that creates a, a very interesting conversation. We also had this conversation uh, during the withdrawal from Afghanistan in terms of those uh, Af- Afghans who were incredibly helpful to the United States uh, as interpreters, as guides, as contractors, uh, and some of those uh, who had family here in the United States. And so that protective status uh, becomes an important thing. And so uh, I think that part of the debate will get really interesting. Uh, sadly, it seems like the only time we end up having this conversation is, as Caroline rightly pointed out, during funding battles And that is not the right place to have these conversations. Uh, We need to have a different conversation where we're not just trying to hurry and tack something on because we got to fund the government uh, with a continuing resolution, by the way, which doesn't solve any of our problems. Uh, I would love to see a real immigration conversation because I still firmly believe that most members of Congress agree on most of the things that need to be done to solve our immigration problem. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to explore the diplomatic path forward as it relates to the U.S., Russia, and Ukraine. Miles Hansen from World Trade Center Utah joins us to discuss the options and how that diplomatic process plays out. Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.